broadcasting live from the phx.fm studio in phoenix arizona it's time for valley business radio spotlighting the valley's best businesses and the people who lead them Welcome to Valley Business Radio, where we tell the stories that traditional media tends to ignore and help connect you to the right people. I'm your host, Dr. Adrian McIntyre. I'm joined in our virtual studio today by Madison Blanton, CEO of One Step Beyond, and Mike Homko, Executive Director for Arizona of One Step Beyond. Welcome to both of you. Thank you, Adrian. It's a pleasure to be here. So I'm very interested to spend some time learning about One Step Beyond. It's an organization that helps adults who have intellectual disabilities achieve independence. You provide meaningful life skills training, socialization, self-sufficiency, job work readiness, recreational programming. You know, quite frankly, a lot of the stuff that many of us simply take for granted. Why don't you start us off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your role with the organization, and then we'll get into the backstory and learn how this all came to be. Madison? Yeah. Um, so my name is Madison Blanton. I am the chief executive officer for One Step Beyond. I've been working for One Step Beyond since 2006 officially, but I've been a part of the organization since it started back in 2001. But I actually started uh, working as a support provider, which is our front level staff uh, back in 2006 and eventually moved my way up to the ranks. And I up until recently, I was the executive director for our programs and services here in California. And just recently, our CEO Mimi retired in officially in September. And so now here I am. We'll hear more about that. I think there's an interesting story to learn there. Mike Homko, you're executive director for Arizona. Tell us a little bit about your role. What do you do? I uh, oversee all of the Arizona program and operations uh, for uh, the services that we provide out here in Arizona, which right now is four campuses across the valley, uh, our newest campus in Scottsdale. And uh, started back in 03 uh, when the doors first opened. So I was employee number one. And uh, just like Madison said, it's been quite a journey uh, going from employee one um, and watching the growth over the last, you know, 15, 16 years. So I can only imagine it's been a fascinating evolution. Madison, tell us a little bit about the organization and, and how it got started. This is quite personal at some level. Can you tell us the story? I'm going to take us way back, <laughs> back to the 80s. Um you know, back to the childhood, uh, my childhood. And so when my sister and I were younger, we were both, we both had like the striking blonde hair, blue eyes. We did pretty much everything together. And people actually used to say like when we were at the grocery store, oh my gosh, look how cute those twins are. And people used to think that we were twins. Um, but uh, my sister, we're actually not twins. She's two years older than I am. Um, and even though we had pretty distinctive similar features and we did a lot of the same things, there was one really big difference. And that difference was that my sister Dylan has Down syndrome. And for those that don't know, Down syndrome is a genetic disorder. It occurs at birth um, and it can cause an array of issues during the individual's life, most poignantly um, a developmental delay that's, you know, pretty much starts at birth. So although my sister was pretty, although we were pretty much inseparable when we were little, uh, around school age is when I started to realize that Dylan was different. And we were pretty much well matched up until that point, even though her speech was always a little delayed. But I didn't really think much of it at the time until I guess I started to surpass my older sister, uh, educationally speaking. 
And that continued, you know, throughout our adolescence where I kept growing and learning and Dylan seemed to slow to almost a developmental halt at a very young age. Um, And so then fast forward a few years when Dylan and I were graduating high school, people with disabilities generally are able to stay in the school district until they're 22. So I actually graduated two years before my sister and I had this huge life ahead of me. I was going to go to ASU, go Sun Devils. I was going to get a career. I was going to build a family. And those doors of opportunity that were open to me and to you and for most people were actually closed to my sister. And when she was about to graduate high school, that's when my parents started getting really worried, as most parents do who have a child with a disability. Um, Because at that point, Dylan couldn't live on her own. She didn't have the skills to go out and get a job. Uh, Without a high school environment, her opportunity for socialization was going to pretty much deplete. Um, And that's where One Step Beyond came in. Um, services for people with disability past high school at that time were really slim. And we're talking like the early 2000s here. And I hate to say it, but it was kind of like a warehouse where parents or care providers would come and they drop off their adult for the day and their adult would sit there and color and maybe watch some TV. Um, And when I think back to my sister, Dylan, would she have minded that? Probably not. She likes to color. She likes to watch TV. Um, but my mom and dad knew that she was capable of more. We all knew she was capable of more. We all we all knew that people with disabilities are capable of more. So that's why we started One Step Beyond. And we started it in a tiny house just around the corner in our neighborhood where my sister and her peers could come and they could learn skills. They could get a job. They could learn how to keep up a household and cook lunch for each other. Um, And they could be together and they could socialize and have a a life, really. And so fast forward to today and here we are in in 2020, almost roughly about 20 years later from when we first got that initial idea to start One Step Beyond. And it wasn't just for, you know, my sister and those 10 individuals that she graduated high school with. It's now grown to four campuses in the Phoenix Valley, including Peoria, Surprise, Glendale, Scottsdale, and also campuses here in Northern California in the San Mateo Peninsula, which is in the Bay Area. Um, And across all of those locations, we serve 600 people with disabilities on a daily basis. So it's, it's amazing to see how that small little program that my mom started in our neighborhood has grown to become an institution for people with disabilities, especially in the West Valley. I'm sure there's so many things that have been learned along the way, some of them the hard way, and we'll hear more about that growth trajectory. Mike, I'd love to hear a little bit about how you came to be involved with the organization. What's your story and how does it intersect with One Step Beyond? Early 2003, I was moving back from uh, Durango, Colorado, uh, where I had worked in uh, several of the school districts out there as a sub uh, substitute aide, uh, uh, Durango, very small. And uh, through a mutual friend had connected with Mimi and I was 22. Um, and we, when Mimi kind of showed me this brochure of what she wanted to do with, with, with a, a day program, 
Um, I was I was all about it. Uh, I've been involved with working with people with intellectual disabilities for my whole life. My mom's a speech therapist, so she would cart me and my brother to her appointments and you know her one-on-one sessions, her clinic sessions. You know, we'd get bused to her her clinic and um, have to wait until she was done for the day. So I've always been in the field of working with people with disabilities, and it's it's changed my life. And connecting with Mimi uh, and hearing what she wanted to do. And go beyond, as as Madison said, the warehouse model. Um, you know that that can't be it. That can't be it for everybody. You know, there's so much more that we could do, and 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 that's what Mimi kind of started was uh, that forward thinking and uh, out, thinking outside the box. Um, it's not just life skills we need to think about. It's employment. It's the arts. It's music. It's dance. It's fitness. It's, it's everything. So, um, connecting with Mimi, uh, we, we opened up, uh, as Madison said, in a residential house. And, and back then it was the, um, l- let's focus on life skills. You can't teach life skills in an office setting. And that's what we kind of ran, uh, with, with what, what we did. Um, so, uh, for our members that were attending program, it was learning how to live on your own. This is what you do in a normal house. We, we would cook, we would do, what we, we used to call dirt detail, uh, which would be your household daily chores you would do every time you um, got home from work or um, the, the grocery store, grocery shopping, things like that. And uh, in, in over the last 17 years, it's just evolved. It's evolved from not just life skills, but in a residential setting, but over 25 different types of class options that we offer uh, from healthy life habits to um, uh, fitness to budgeting money management. We call it English 101, English 102 in Arizona, which are varying levels of, of writing and reading and comprehension. So, um, but connecting with Mimi has been um, the highlight of my uh, life. And I've, I've always told Mimi, uh, she was my hero for starting One Step because I can't see myself doing anything different. It's, it's totally changed my life. Let's talk for a minute about how your organization fits into the broader landscape, uh, including uh, more traditional uh, sources of support and then the variety of nonprofits that fill in the gaps. I think, first of all, it's worth noting there's a federal mandate that public schools have to provide services to every student regardless of their needs. And yet I think we all also know that the ability of school districts to provide that level of care is uneven and some places do it really well and other places do it less well and everyone's trying to do the right thing and struggling to meet the demand, et cetera. Um, If you would give us a little overview, uh, Madison, of how One Step Beyond fits in to, to the landscape of things now when a parent or caregiver is choosing you over some of the other options, what are they choosing? What's different and how does it all fit together? I would say that being a part of this industry for 20 years officially, but really my whole life, I've been able to see the gamut of where services have started and where they are today. And in the school districts, I've seen a huge improvement and from from individuals that we were getting from the school districts, say maybe 10 years ago versus, you know, people that are coming to us now and they are much more prepared now. Uh, we, we have participants coming to us who have a little bit of job skills already learned. We have, we have people coming to us with a higher level of acumen in terms of independent living, but there is still that gap where 
some individuals be will be able to graduate high school and be able to get a job and be able to live on their own. But there's still a large portion of those people that can't. And that's where One Step Beyond steps in. We provide those services at whatever level is needed uh, so that individual can get to their own level of individual sustainability, whatever that may be, because it's different for everybody. We work with people on the spectrum, if you will, and that spectrum is really large. So some of our individuals just need a little help maybe at a job site, getting a little job coaching. But some of our individuals need a lot more one-on-one support in, a, in you know, activities of daily living, such as eating and dressing and um, planning out their day. So and what makes I think what makes One Step Beyond different is that flexibility that we offer. It's not one-size-fits-all solution, which I think... Sometimes larger organizations tend to do because it's a little bit more efficient to do it that way as opposed to make everything individualized. But we really do take this term called person-centered programming to the next level where we make sure that the person, their opinions, their voice, their needs, their wants are really clear at the beginning when they enter into our services. And then we we take that, those ideas and we create a program around that person. And you can see that in a lot of the, the special programs we offer that not a, other, a lot of other day programs offer, like our music program, like our art program, like our dance program. These programs were not a part of One Step Beyond on day one. They grew out of the needs and the wants of our individuals. And as we kind of also grew our staff and our employee pool who had all of these wonderful passions and things that they wanted to share with our groups. So I think that's what makes One Step Beyond special is that we're really about the person and what they need and want in order to be successful. Mike, what's your perspective on this? I mean, you could be doing a lot of different things uh, at this point in your life. You know, you've got the education, you've got the specialized training, you're a certified speech and language pathology assistant. You participate professionally in a lot of other arenas. Why is this where you've, as you said, really sunk your heart and your vocation? I think that's because of the vision that Mimi had and and how One Step has, has come to be from day one to where we are now. It's been... Um, you know, great to watch how the programs changed. Uh, Madison mentioned that, you know, we, you know, art programs, fitness, music, it wasn't a part of day one. It was um, so cohesive with our families, um, our members, uh, our staff. Um, We were one big family and we were creating this program together. Uh, Somebody had an idea to, you know, we should be um, our members love to play musical instruments. Let's start a music program. And that music program has turned into uh, recording at um, sending our guys out to California to record uh, uh, tracks, uh, two bands at two different campuses. Um, for me, it's been um, programs I feel have always been my niche in my family, uh, where my mom is a speech therapist. Um, I love doing speech therapy on the side. It's, um, you know, that, that would be my second passion. But I, for me personally, it's been watching members come into our program um, at a high school or, you know, they, they come find us, um, you know, years if they've been at another program and then watching throughout those years of the person who comes in 
and the, the change that happens over a couple of years where they're more socialization with their peers, they're attending events with their peers. Um, the, um, some of our members have uh, moved out of mom and dad's house, gotten married, live in an apartment on their own, and they're working in the community and, you know, fully functioning members of their community. And I think that that for me is really what kept me um, involved with One Step from day one. I've always loved the program aspect of it and changing people's lives. So and the best way to do that is is here at One Step and continuing continuing to evolve our programs to meet the need. I've always said that, well, not always, but at least for a couple of decades, I have said that the measure of an advanced civilization is not how easy it makes life for the people who need it the least, but how it serves the people who need it the most. One of the things that must be challenging to families who are coming to you, as well as to the individuals who participate in your programs, who benefit from all these services, is that we don't live in a world that really understands what they're dealing with. Certainly, they don't understand intellectual disability in the variety of ways that that can affect a person's life. They certainly don't understand what it's like to be parents or caregivers of an individual with those special needs. What are some of the things that just in terms of correcting the record here and helping to get people insight into what these folks are fellow members of society are dealing with that we might not understand or, or have any way to relate to? How do you begin to explain that to a more general audience that has no experience and only has the stereotypes that they've seen in the grocery store on TV or wherever they've picked up their ideas about it? Okay, so so when I think about perceptions of people with disability in in the larger community and and the work that has been done over the course of the last 50 years to try to get people with disabilities more rights and more you know face time if you will in in our communities and and I think where we were even five years ago was this idea of inclusion, inclusion, inclusion. People with disabilities should be included. People with disabilities should be a part of the the workplace or a part uh, included in school, you know, mainstream school settings. Um but over the past of the last five years, I'd have to say that there's this further push into saying that people with disabilities shouldn't just be included in these things. They should be integrated into these things. And that's the goal for us is we're really focusing on community integration. And that's what we call our programs in California specifically. We call them community integration programs so that it's not just seeing you know, the nice guy bagging your groceries at, at Safeway or wherever and saying like, oh, it's nice to see that that, that individual, whether they have a disability or not included. Um, but it's more of the idea where their people with disabilities are valued for their contributions and um, really a part of our society. And it's great to see those things. They're happening. They're happening. It's going to take a little bit more time because I think we're still kind of at that inclusion level. Um, but the work that we're doing in our community is really trying to get them to that to that higher level. And a part of that is making sure that our participants are in the community for a large part of their day. It's not just a site-based program. 
more like a school program where people are going to come and they're going to spend their day within the confines of four walls. We're going to be creating opportunities for these people to be in the community for at least half of their day. And so that way, we're putting people out in the community as a part of the community so that it becomes more of a normal thing where you're going to see these people and they're going to be contributing to society just like you are. And sometimes actually, even in ways where we can't. And it's nice to see some of these bigger corporations, at least here in Silicon Valley, these some of these bigger tech corporations that are trying to hire people on the spectrum specifically because they know that their skills and abilities are different and sometimes even better than some of their, you know, typical employees. So I think that's kind of where we're trying to go with with our program is to make sure that integration is the word, not just inclusion, but integration. I don't know if this is an explicit goal or not, but it really sounds to me like you're training the community as much as you're training your participants, Absolutely. Your, your program members, because there's well-documented research going back to Gordon Alport in the 50s that simple exposure to people who are different than you changes the way you think. Uh, and, you know, we're still struggling with that on many fronts having to do with race and gender differences as well as intellectual differences. And uh, we all need to to do a better job of learning and growing up about this stuff. Mike, what are some of the ways that in everyday life, talk about some of the special moments, some of the things that make this so rewarding for you? I mean, obviously, there's this is hard work. All, all good work is hard work. Uh, but talk a little bit about a day in the life of what it looks like uh, from the perspective of one of your students or participants. What do we call them? Uh, we, we call them members out here in Arizona. The, Great. the, jar, the, the jargon has changed over the years, but uh, members is, is Arizona's term right now. Very good. Uh, I uh, come from a background of international relief work where we used to refer to folks as beneficiaries. And I always thought that was terribly dehumanizing. Uh, although accurate at some level, mm -hmm. they're people, <laughs> so, yeah. right? Um, talk a little bit about a day in the life from the perspective of your members or or the staff. What what happens and what's interesting and what's challenging about it? I'll talk about a, a member specifically that had started here in 2003. And, you know, Madison was talking a little bit about um, influencing change in our community. Um, and, and this particular individual, uh, his name is Seth. Um, he's, to be honest, he's one of my best friends. Uh, he was a groomsman in my wedding. Um, uh, and it, it's influencing change for um, not only us, of our staff that work here at One Step, but um, like Maddie said, the community. Seth came to us from California um, almost 20 years ago. And, um, and he came into Arizona not knowing where to go, not knowing what to do, um, and found One Step as, as his program of choice. Um, Seth was, uh, has Down syndrome. Um, you know, and obesity generally uh, comes with, with, with Down syndrome. And uh, um, over the years, Seth has lost over 50 pounds, almost 75 pounds. Uh, he has been employed with uh, one of our local uh, Peter Piper Pizza down the road for almost 15 years. And um, he uh, works two days a week. And um, as far as his personalized skills, uh, Seth's speech has gone from you know, 10% intelligibility to 40% uh, intelligibility where he can hold a sentence in a conversation uh, with others. And he's not sitting down in a warehouse watching uh, uh, Disney shows and coloring all day. Um, for, for, for our members, it's, you know, they, they come into our program and it's um, all these wonderful things that we do for, for um, 
in inclusion and integration in our community um, from right down from volunteering at uh, some of our local nonprofits to creating business opportunities with um, the businesses in our area. And, um, you know, Seth, for me, has um, been integral in my life um, for my growth as well uh, in what we do, because he, you know, coming into our program, not knowing what to do and what his life vision is going to be um, and giving him the tools and resources he needs to hold down a job, um, uh, prepare for the, that job, write an application, write a resume, uh, interview for a job, um, and um, continuing to provide support to him at his job if he needs it. And he hasn't needed a job coach at a job site for the last five years. Uh, he does it all on his own. He clocks in, clocks out, um, you know, calls for his ride when it's time to go home. And um, it's been uh, it's been great over the years. Um, so much, in, so so great, in fact, that, you know, Seth came to us with uh, very little, little, little independent life skills, but Seth can now make meals on his own, use the microwave, um, knows how to play the drums um, due to our music program, um, and now has uh, at least 40 friends that he talks to on a daily basis. Uh, so a day in the life of, of a member is, is coming here and seeing your, your dreams come true. Uh, seeing seeing the opportunities that's that's available, um, where in high school it was, you know, you, you had your socialization, you had your changing of classes, but um, but now it's real life, real world. What's the next step? And the next step is uh, continuing that education, being independent, getting a job, living on your own. It's a very heartwarming example of the benefits of this program. It reminds me, though, Madison, of uh, your unique insights in this. I mean, starting with your experience with your sister, Dylan, and then all the way through your escalating role in One Step Beyond, you must have learned some things along the way or had some just natural insights about your members and about people more generally who are either on the spectrum or have these particular intellectual disabilities we've been talking about, what are some of the things that you would say you know about them that probably most people don't know? That's a, that's a hard question. There's a lot of things <laughs> about people with disabilities. Um, and a part of me also like doesn't want to go into that, that realm of, you know, they're special. Because uh, there is, you know, sometime a negative connotation to putting that on somebody as as being as being special, because a lot of the times people with disabilities don't want to be special. They want to be like you and me. They want to be just, you know, living, living a normal life like we would. But I will have to say, even though that's probably when I think of my sister and when I think of some of the people that I've really been able to form really close relationships over the course of these last, you know, 20 years is that they have this ability to impact your life, my life, in ways that they'll never know. Um, one of one of our participants here in California, her name's Michaela. She would never know the impact that she's made on my life. She's made me a more aware person, a more caring person, a more patient person, a more open-minded person. And she would never know that. And I think a lot of our participants have that ability to, to awaken things within ourselves that we didn't know we had. And I think that's an amazing quality. Uh, even, even for, you know, the, the people that are, will be listening, it's, um, 
they want what you want. You know, it's it's to have a life and and um, to be seen as you or I, you know, walking down the street, you know, we're, they're people, they're adults, um, the children that we, we serve, um, you know, uh, in our in-home services, you know, when they hit that adult age range and start coming into our program, um, you know, it's, they want what, what everybody else wants, which is, you know, they have dreams and aspirations and things they want to accomplish in their life. And that's what we do is we help them achieve those dreams and aspirations. In, in every aspect that that's possible, whether it's, you know, somebody that comes in and says, you know, I want to be the next Hannah Montana. Great. We've got a karaoke program and we've got a music program. What instrument do you want to play? You know, not necessarily saying they're going to be the next Hannah Montana. Could be, though. So um, but it's, um, you know, I, I think every um, every one of our members wants wants what I want. I want a happy life. I want kids. Um, I have kids. Um, I want to be successful and um and live a stress-free life and you know and make tons of money you know that 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 doesn't happen necessarily but um but you know that's that's why we do what we do you know it's it's to help our members um and help the community um see it that way they want what you want and they can they can teach us that they they have that ability in in all of them to teach all of us how to be better people. And I think society is going to be the better for it. So the more we include people with disabilities in our communities, in our lives, I guarantee you, you'll, you'll see some, some pretty radical changes. Yeah. I appreciate what you said, Madison, about uh, that people don't want to be seen as special. They want to be seen as the same. You know, I don't think any of us really, if we're honest, have a, a very good vocabulary for talking about difference. And it seemed for a long time, whether we're talking about immigration policy or race relations or anything, any axis of difference, it seemed for a long time that the, the only way to do it was to either say that we're the same, which of course manifestly not true, mm-hmm. or to highlight those differences in some way or another, either to denigrate them, unfortunately, and inflame public opinion about it, or to try to put them on a pedestal and, and turn them into superheroes. As someone who lives with adult ADHD, there's things that I've struggled with in my life that have been incredibly destructive to me personally, emotionally, to my relationships, to my ability to manage money, et cetera. I don't love it when some folks, although I understand what they're doing, want to talk about ADHD as a superpower and like, this is my superpower. This is why I'm so amazing. And I'm thinking to myself, well, good for you. This is why I really have had some serious issues in relationships and other things, right? So there's a way in which we all can learn how to do a better job about talking what we have in common. Fundamentally, we are human beings. We are all members of one single biological species. We're not that different. Mm -hmm. And yet we are. We're very different in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Finding a way to navigate through that uh, is uh, something we all continue, I think, to grapple with. Now, let's talk about the organization itself. You are a nonprofit. That means you have to raise a lot of money. You have to engage in a variety of partnerships. Talk about the operational side of that, Madison, if you would. What's at stake here? How do you do it? Uh, what sorts of partnerships with businesses and things are part of your fundraising efforts? When you look at the funding structure of of a social service nonprofit like ours, um, most of our funding is going to come from government contracts and reimbursements. 
And that's, that's, you know, typical for most social service nonprofits and is also typical for One Step Beyond. We get a lot of our income from government reimbursements and contracts. Um, but there's, there's uncertainty there that, you know, keeps me, certainly keeps me up at night. Um, we, we could get our funding cut and, and we've seen a lot of that, unfortunately, you know, most recently in the time of COVID. Um, so there's still a lot of uncertainty there here in California. We're not out of the weeds in terms of looking at our funding structure for the next year and, and knowing whether or not that large portion of our income is going to be impacted. And it probably will. Um, and the unfortunate th thing about that is that systems like ours, social services, have been historically, they are systems that are historically and routinely underfunded and overworked. Reimbursement rates from our government contracts with Arizona and California are have been long undercut compared to the wages that we have to pay out to our care providers. And care providing work is not easy work. And most of our staff, we're so lucky to have some of the amazing employees and staff that we have. But it's true, we if we were just to rely on government funding alone, we wouldn't be able to sustain our organization. And so that's why we do. Um, we're lucky to be a nonprofit and we can fundraise and we spend a lot of time fundraising, whether it's, you know, working with individual donors or working with foundations and getting foundation support um, or doing events, um, things like that. So right now, it's it's the year end. There's still a lot of COVID uncertainty. And we're we're launching our year end giving campaign, which is called the Hug Campaign. And um it's our it's our year end campaign where we're trying to do two things. One is is raise money and try to help sustain some of the gaps that we have in our funding. And but then also raise awareness for our organization, the work we do and the people that we serve. The hug campaign this year is the Help Us Glow campaign. How do people learn more about it? What are you asking them to do? Where do they learn the details? Yeah, so Help Us Glow, um, it, it means shining a light almost, shining a light on people with disabilities, shining a light on the wonderful staff we have, shining a light on the wonderful supporters we have in our current donors and volunteer base, shining a light on our business partners, um, which which we that's that is one way to get involved is to become a business partner with us for for fundraising purposes, but then also for employment purposes. And Mike can probably speak to that a little bit more and how that works here in Arizona. But um, uh for that campaign, I mean, really, if someone's interested in learning more about One Step Beyond, the best place to go is our website. We put a lot of money investment in that website. So hopefully it does its job of communicating what we're trying to do. Um, but that's that's the first step. And and we're always looking for, for people who, if you're passionate about working with people, um, if you're passionate about people in general, people with disabilities, people in vulnerable populations, you know, we'd love to be able to, to have that conversation with you and, and get to know you. And I, I guaranteed we can find a spot, whether it's in an employment role, a volunteer role, a donor role, a board member role. Um, 
we've we've got lots of of different ways that people can get involved with our organization. The website for One Step Beyond Inc. is osbi.org. OSBI.org. Mike, talk a little bit about the employment program. How does that work for businesses? Uh, what's involved? What should they expect? What are the benefits to them? Benefits of, of getting involved with One Step. Um, in Arizona, we, we, we kind of do it a, a several different ways. One way is, um, you know, we, we offer job coaches to our members to help them be, to support them in their employment role at that particular business. Uh, and, and that is really to um, the goal with 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 uh, supportive job coaches to um, ensure that there's communication between that person and, and, and the business and um, and for us to eventually phase out to where um, a job coach has, has um, taught some skills for our members that that work with these businesses. And so they're, you know, resolving conflict at work, um, how to request PTO, how to clock in. You know, they're pretty self-sufficient on doing all that, um, getting involved with one step. As a business, um, that, that's that's the actual special part um, because it's not just um, getting involved as far as um, you know just sponsorships, but hiring an individual with 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 a disability. Um, con- we have contracting um, services where where one step is paying the members that we um, uh, that we serve, and they are one step employees, and we are contracted to provide a service um, for that particular business, um, and that usually turns into um, the business saying, um, thanks for all you did. Um, I'd like to hire Seth and, and Maria and you guys have a great life, you know, and we've done our job um, and uh, we've gotten them employment. Um, on one step side though, we, in Arizona, we will go above and beyond with whatever is needed. So uh, if a particular business is looking, looking for uh, um, some employees, one step will pay extra costs for training certificates uniforms for our staff, whatever it's going to take to get in, involved with that business. Um, because the, the most important thing is, is, is influencing change with, with the businesses, even in our local community. Uh, we've been fortunate enough to have around 20 uh, um, community partners that do partner with One Step for Employment Services. So um, uh, as far as getting involved, uh, contacting our uh, vocational director, contacting us outright, um, whether it's you want to just hire um, you're looking to hire and diversify your workforce, uh, or you're looking to um, partner with the with One Step um, and be a sponsor um, and can and do more than just employ an individual. Um, like in the um, case of one of our uh, uh, Glendale community partners, uh, just last year they approached um, Top Golf had approached uh, One Step and they said um, we'd like to hire your individuals. We're like great, that's that's fantastic. Um, they held a uh, one day only for One Step Beyond members uh, uh, interview day. We had about 30 or 40 individuals show up and they hired uh, members, right? Um, it was on-spot interviews, hired them on the spot, and they didn't want One Step involved. They wanted to take ownership and um, and get involved that way. Um, but they still connect with One Step in other ways, whether it's a sponsorship or they'll, they'll reach out to us and say, hey, so-and-so is having some difficulties with this particular task. Um, can you can you help us? And yes, we will. We'll go in. We'll send a job coach. We'll work on it here at program during another one of their days. 
if I'm a business owner or a business leader running a team and I'm listening to this conversation, I might be asking myself, well, that sounds, I'd be interested in something like that, but I still don't have a clear picture. Obviously this is going to get worked out on a case by case basis, both with individual members and their abilities and then individual roles in the business. But what are some of the typical roles that a member might take? In other words, help a business leader understand if she's listening, that this is a good fit for her. What, what could one step people do? Variety of services. I like to try to stay away from the stigma of janitorial services. So um, a lot of our current partners, um, we do uh, um, some of our members are have skills in assembly line production uh, with some of our uh, partners. We have one partner that is a, um, a welder repair shop and our members go in and build um, kits like battery kits and spark plug kits. Um, we have another partner um, with the City of Surprise. It's a pretty big partnership where um, our members go in and do data entry for the fire administration department or they do IT work where they're breaking down computers. So really, it kind of, you know, if you're looking to if you're looking for employees, I don't believe there's one set, um, one cutoff of what we can or can't do. Um, I, I never like to say that, you know, if it's something um, a particular service you're looking for. Uh, let us know and um, we'll be able to find somebody or um, get involved with you in order to find the right group of people to work with you. Or a member may just want to apply and you may have experience doing that. So um, it's not it's not so much what can we do for you? It's 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 tell us what you need and, and we can get it done. Our guys are are dependable, reliable and uh, never miss a day of work. Um, you never seen anybody as, uh, um, their sense of self-worth opening up their first paycheck. So in, you're going to get a, a, a forever employee. I think it's so important what you just said, Mike, because it really, it really speaks to the need to move beyond stereotypes and actually just ask the question. You might be surprised by the skill set and the attention to detail and the, the variety of different specialized tasks that uh, someone from One Step Beyond might be able to contribute to your company, to your organization. As we wrap up here, Madison, I want to give you the last word. Is there anything that we need to communicate? Obviously, having people go and check out the Help Us Grow, the Hug campaign is important. What's your parting message? What do you want our listeners to take away from this conversation? Well, I'm just, I'm excited that we had the opportunity to speak with you, Adrian, and 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 your listeners and to communicate more about, you know, not just what One Step Beyond does, but having that open conversation about people with disabilities in general. I think people with disabilities still still need to be heard. Their voices still aren't heard. And so having this opportunity to sit here and have this candid conversation about the wonderful population that we work with and putting them out there in the community so more people can learn about them and how they can support um, support them through getting involved with One Step Beyond, whether as a donor, volunteer, supporter, advocate. Um, that's that's the big takeaway here, and, and I hope that we have some listeners out there that will that will heed that call and and get in contact with us because we need your help. Um, our participants need your help. Um, so I'm I'm just excited to be able to talk about that today. 
One Step Beyond is a private 501c3 nonprofit organization. It's the largest campus-based day training program for adults with intellectual disabilities, serving more than 600 members each year. Madison Blanton is CEO. Mike Homko is Executive Director of Arizona. Thank you both for joining us for this conversation. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you. For all of us here at phx.fm, this is Dr. Adrian McIntyre. We'll see you next time on Valley Business Radio. 